Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And this is John Ramstead here. And we've all heard these incredible stories of people that have these experiences. Uh, you go to heaven. Uh, it is life-changing. Uh, you've all heard about my accident. And I was there in God's presence at my accident, but I did not have the experience that I've heard from so many people. And and we were introduced to Stephen Music, who who just wrote a book about his experience, man, it was powerful. Not only what happens to him um, in heaven, which is where he he was, but also what God gave him to bring back down here. There was this this deadly medical mistake that actually sent him to the other side. Wait till you hear this story. It's one of these stories that you just want to tune into. And so with that, I'm just going to leave it to you to listen. But, you know, this is such an encouraging story about God not only working not who's with us constantly he's present with us and he's working in our lives regardless of our situation so if you hear of somebody or when you hear this and you know of somebody who needs to hear this please forward this to them and we'd love to hear you uh, a comment in our Facebook group uh, group or head to iTunes and hit subscribe so thank you guys you're gonna love this conversation you're about to hear about Stephen's journey All right, welcome to Eternal Leadership. This is John Ramstead and uh, Sandra. How are you doing? Good morning. Great here. So, Sandra, you know, we were talking before we got started about both of our experiences. We've both had some pretty tremendous life-changing events that, for us, has really brought us closer to you know just our faith, to understanding who God is, the nature of God through my accident and. A little bit, uh, you know, about what happened to you, right? That's right. Yeah, the doctors uh, told me more than one time I should, quote, get my affairs in order and kiss my children. So, you know, that's not something uh, you look forward to hearing. And if any of you out there have ever heard of a book called Life After Heaven, and it's one of those books you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, this needs to be a movie. And, and it is turning into a movie, isn't it, Steve? It is. Uh, we uh, we actually are in the process of doing screenwriting. We begin this month, um, and uh, I'm going to be part of the screenwriting crew, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing this on the silver screen. It's kind of a, a an interesting development. Well, I'm I'm excited to have this conversation with you because you know, first of all. Um, you know what happened, and I'm going to have you share some more, man. But there was there was a just this one thing that we all dread. We're going into the hospital. We need to get something done, and there was a terrible medical mistake uh, that sent you into a coma for what was it, five or six weeks, I believe. Yeah, five weeks. Five weeks in a coma, and and when you're in this coma, right, you begin to start to just see. I mean, you experienced being in the presence of heaven. It's one of these stories that we've heard about, we've talked about, we've asked our friends about, and and instead of trying to explain it from your book and and things, I'd I'd love to hear it from yourself. But before we kind of get into, you know, what happened, you know, uh, during and after this accident, Steve, uh, would you please just share a little bit about kind of your journey leading up to uh, when you had this procedure that, that put you in a coma? Um, I, uh, my experience uh, going to heaven occurred when I was 20 years old uh, in the United States Navy. I got, uh, I literally got drafted into the Navy. My 
draft lottery number was 16. Uh, and so I, I decided to join the United States Navy when I was uh, just about 19 years old. Um, By the way, I approve of your choice of uh, military service. Say again? I approve of your choice of military service, by the way. <laughs> it, it, was, uh, it was one of those. I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, and I had never seen the ocean, but I'd, I'd gone to movies. And I was just captivated by the whole idea of, you know, the Navy and, the, and, and being able to be on board ship and, and all of that. Uh, it, it's kind of an interesting uh it, you know, there's sovereignty in even the small things. And in my mind, it was one of those small things uh, that got me actually uh, organized in the way that God wanted. Um, so I grew up in a Christian house. Uh, I accepted Christ when I was seven. Um, we were Orthodox Episcopalians. And so I was an acolyte and an altar boy and went to catechism. And, and I fell in love with organized high church experience and I still do uh, uh, there's something about the Anglican uh, methodology that is just very deep and resonating for me um, while I grew up in a Christian household I also grew up in a in a household that was extraordinarily violent um, and I grew up with virtually no identity I had no idea who I was and so my military experience was really the first opportunity that I'd had to get outside of my household and become whoever it is that I was supposed to become. And so um, in the early part of boot camp, I qualified to go to SEALs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were 900 people in our battalion. Uh, there were only three of us that qualified to go to San Diego and become a SEAL, or at least try to become a SEAL. Um, and then we did academic testing in, the, in, in boot camp, and I was one of uh, two in our battalion that qualified to go to Annapolis. And part of the reason that I joined the Navy was to continue education. And so I'm in hog heaven. I, I'm thinking, boy, God has really done a number on me because now I have an opportunity to fulfill my education and go to the Naval Academy, and holy cow, who would have thought of that? Did you end up going to the Naval Academy? I did not. Um, they lined us up in the fifth week of boot camp, and they inoculated everybody on base with the swine flu vaccine. So I had an allergic reaction to the swine flu vaccine. This was 1976 in December. And I'm sorry, this was 1975 in December. And so I was in intensive care. I was in an emergency department of the regional hospital. And they gave me the antidote to the swine flu vaccine, which turned out to be a lethal injection for me oh because I was also allergic to the antidote. So from the time that they injected uh, the 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 antidote into me, uh, I swooned, I was in the emergency department, and uh, I literally blanked out and woke up five weeks later in intensive care isolation at 126 pounds. 
And what, what did you I'd start lost, out at? I lost, I lost almost a third of my body weight. Wow. And when I woke up, the Navy nurse at the foot of my bed got up surprised, and she leaned over me and she said, Welcome back. We thought we lost you back there. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't know where back there was, but I got a gift that I didn't really understand at the time. But I had an opportunity to go to heaven and for the Father to reorient my life at 20 years old. And when I came back, I, I was really disillusioned trying to figure out why in the world did I not stay in heaven? I knew I wasn't supposed to, but oh my gosh, you have a, you have a real sense of, um, you don't really wanna be here once you've been there. And you end up with all kinds of questions about what in the world am I doing back here in the land of bland? <laughs> I, I'd love for you to rewind and um, you know what? You know, so you had this reaction. Next thing you know, you're probably not even aware that you're in this coma in the bed. And, and what what was happening? Well, from the time that they um, they gave me the uh, injection of the antidote, um, I literally went through the tunnel of light. My experience is very consistent with all of the other near death experience material. Um, you're weightless, you're transported, you literally go through, uh, Hollywood does a really good good uh, uh, example of this, you know, the, the Star Trek people will call it warp drive, uh, you know, the Star Wars people will call it hyperspace. Um, you literally are transported. And for me, my experience was being pushed out into a place that was absolutely you feel like you're inside pure joy. Were you being propelled or were you being pulled? Propelled. Hmm. And you're weightless. I mean, it's uh, it's it's uh, it is a it is a it is a wonderful disorienting uh, process. And you felt like that you were transported somewhere. And where 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 did you find your? Go ahead, Sandra. So you physically felt like you left the plane of Earth and were somewhere else. Totally. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a totally different place, and my my experience was totally outdoors. It was all agrarian, and the only person that I saw in my experience in heaven was the Son of God, and Jesus, and. You just you just know um, it's the Jesus that I always pictured as a little kid, and the presence and the 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 power the strength of of Christ is uh, off the charts. It's the best emotional experience that you can have. What was your understanding of who, you? who Jesus was before this? Um, I knew Jesus because of my catechism and my orthodoxy. Jesus was the Son of God. Um, if you saw Jesus, then you saw God. He's the spitting image of his Father. 
and that he's the ultimate intercessor. He's the ultimate bridge between life in the here and now and life in the hereafter. And so uh, to be hugged and embraced and have conversation with Christ, uh, it's all you want. It's all you want. As you were being transported, did you happen to see your body or see yourself lying in bed? You know, you hear other accounts and people will say they saw themselves. Did you see your body at all? No, not at all. Um, My sense in all of that was from the time they gave me the antidote, uh, you know, my spirit, my soul basically screamed, eject, eject, eject. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because that that sack of flesh was no longer suitable for the spirit, and I just left. And wow. when I was in heaven, I, I thought I was staying. I mean, I, I, I figured that this is the end of life, and I'm liking it. And the most painful words I've ever heard in my life from that day to this were the words of Jesus with his arm over my shoulder, and he said, and you can't stay. And when he said you can't stay, I immediately was back in the tunnel of light, and the next thing I know, I wake up in intensive care isolation at Great Lakes Regional Hospital. And, and I'm thinking, oh my God. I, 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 I was excited to be in heaven and to the finishing of life. You know, that whole sense of being in heaven is ultimately home. Yeah. It's really home. And um, to, to then come back to a, a fractured body in a, you know, disabled environment. And the, and the contrast is just absolutely almost more than you can take. Well, talking about that contrast, when you were first in his, tell us about Jesus. I'm sure, I am so curious to hear about what he's like in person. You got to be there in his presence, see him, have his arm around you. Man, I just, I just want to hear everything about that. Um, you know, the the book that I wrote, Life After Heaven, uh, it is it's a really short book. It's a quick read. Uh, it's like 180 pages. We, we spent almost 10% of the book describing what Jesus was like, both physically, emotionally, practically, um, a, as many different ways as, as we could articulate uh, the risen Christ. Um, but suffice it to say that, you know, he was a young man to me um, in his early 30s, and he's, he's, a, he's a paradox because... He's massively built. Uh, you would think that he's a uh, a bodybuilder or a you know a logger, somebody that worked in in uh, physically with his hands and his body. Um, you you recognize him as being extraordinarily powerful, and at the same time, he's um, emotionally available. He's very soft. He's very soft spoken. Um, you know, his voice is a tenor, um, and you get a sense of being family from the very first second that he embraces you and says, welcome. Hmm. 
What did he share and, with you, Steve? I'm sorry? What did he share with you? What did he say to you? My, my experience in heaven was, was, was clearly a life review mm-hmm. where Jesus went back through and talked about all of the stuff that happened to me growing up, some of which was very difficult and some of which was very, very painful. Um, and he let me know that he was there the whole time. That at, in periods of time where I felt like I was all alone, I wasn't. And he made it okay. He settled all of those issues. And so uh, the torment and the abuse that I experienced as an adolescent growing up, and the fact that I didn't have any kind of personal identity, um, Jesus set all of that and made it good. It's kind of like, it's okay. And so it, it, it was emotionally for me healing at a soul level that said, oh, um, the Father had an idea. The Father had a plan. There's sovereignty in all of that. And there's a certain sort of shrug of the shoulders that went, okay, that works. Um, and again, you got to remember the context here was, I figured I'm getting an introduction on what heaven is like, and I think I'm staying. I mean, I, I think, oh my gosh, uh, it, it, if this is what going through 20 years of, of a very difficult environment growing up, if that's if that's the cost of getting here, oh man, it's worth it. That's an easy one. What do you share with people now as you know as you're I know you work with so many people Steve you know that have, that have gone through some very difficult things in life they they like you felt back then right like you were alone in this uh, yeah. and I know there's probably a lot of people listening that are going through stuff relationally financially their marriages uh health wise um I mean Sandra and I have both been through some very significant events just like that and, you know, and one of the things that God said to me at my accident, actually the first thing he said to me when I was laying on the ground and my body was crushed, uh, I'll never forget this, because I remember being in his presence, for me, I just felt this, this like, you, like you described this, I, I wasn't in heaven, I was still here, but this most overwhelming, just powerful, uh, just personal love that was just so unconditional like everything else I'd ever done in my life in the past was not even relevant to the relationship that God already had with me it changed my understanding of the nature of God in an instant and I remember when I first felt this love my first thought that went through my human brain uh, was I'm not worthy of somebody loving me like this it was like I was touching the the just the like the fabric of the universe was made out of this love that was just being emitted from from Jesus, and I and I have this privilege to touch it just briefly. I was only um, in his presence for I think uh, just a few minutes myself, uh, but then the first thing he said to me was, "All things work together for good for those that love the Lord." And that's you know. Then he said, "I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory," and um, you know, just going through, but going through that yourself. Uh, and Sandra, I know you've had some similar experiences. You know, what 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 do you think the the message is to share for those listening that are going through 
life right now. And maybe they do feel alone. They don't feel God's presence. They don't hear God's voice maybe audibly. Well, I, I, there are two things that uh, run through my mind uh, when, when you ask that question. The first one is that um, regardless of where we are, regardless of what we're going through, um, the Father and the Son and the Spirit are there with us. That's an indelible truth. And so the sense of feeling alone is engendered from somewhere else by somebody else that is uh, alive and well. The enemy of our souls is the Lord of this world. Uh, but the kingdom of heaven is advancing on this world perpetually. And so it's really a, a, an almost mental and a spiritual decision that says, wait a minute, I'm not alone. I'm not going to deal with this all by myself. I'm going to open myself up to the Father, Son, and Spirit. And Lord, what are you doing through this? Whatever the this is. The other thing that is important to me and part of of what's the fabric of my life as it currently exists is that I continue to have experiences in the here and now that feel very much like the hereafter. And they don't last for long periods of time. I call them bubbles of heaven. And that my prayer, my life's intention is that the kingdom of heaven is closer than we think and everyone can experience it early and often and should. It's just a matter of real, realization and opening up our lives to that opportunity because once you encounter a bubble of the kingdom of heaven, life changes forever. Because there's a sense of, oh my God, this is real. There's something going on here that's way beyond me. And it's why Jesus, when he was teaching us to pray, said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And I have 40 years of experience now of experiencing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. For moments, short periods of time, I call them bubbles. And so my encouragement to the listeners is that go back through your life and see if you don't recognize periods in your life that were awe-inspiring, that were big surprises. And think about whether that, in fact, wasn't the kingdom of heaven in your space. And maybe it is. Well, I love the bubble idea. Um, you know, I, when I read all about you in your book, I, I really, I really, I I was really touched by that piece. Mm -hmm. I want to just ask you practically. I mean, you're 20 years old. You know, <laughs> that's, that's a kid. Yeah. Um, you're away from home for the first time. You're sort of coming into your own, if you will. You're away from your abuser. You're, you're waking up now in this hospital. You know, who was the first person that you talked to about it? Um, the, my first 
conversation uh, about what happened to me was in the chapel at the hospital down on the second floor. And because it, at that point in time, I'm reeling. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm inside of a, of a fractured, disabled body. I still have all kinds of medical related issues. Um, but I needed to go, again, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out of my orthodoxy here. I'm going to the closest place I can think of, which is the church. And I go into the chapel and I have as long a conversation as we probably have had already with God. And I'm trying to ask him, why in the world am I still here? Why in the world was I not allowed to stay in heaven? And the part of the sovereignty of God is I didn't hear anything. I didn't get any kind of messaging. I didn't hear the audible voice of the Father. I had nothing in my soul that said, gee, everything is okay. Um, I knew that the Father never leaves us and that everything happens for a reason. But for me, I didn't understand what that was and I didn't understand why. And so until I could really understand it, I didn't talk about it. I, I didn't talk about it. Uh, my experience for over 10 years. Um, really? Yeah. You kept it because, all inside. So you had this conversation with him in the chapel, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to bury it. Yeah. And, and I spent 10 years reading the Bible and writing in a journal and, and trying to make sense of life. Um, and, and being in that place of, it, it was kind of like, for me, it was the, everybody has a wilderness experience. Everybody has experiences where life just doesn't feel like it, you, you got dealt a really bad hand. But, but um, it was during that period of time that I actually learned about everything that was in the Bible and everything that God was writing about. And so I'm an academic, so I did what I could do to learn about about. God and learn about uh, heaven and, and, and all of that. And then a, a funny things started happening and that I, could, I, I had experiences which, which felt very much like heaven. And I, I started paying attention to, wow, um, the, the, this, is, the, this is really an important thing. And for me, they were kind of like filling stations on a car just about ready to run out of gas. But because I would be in this in this place of trying to recover, um, you know, I, I'm a disabled veteran and uh, my first 10 years were uh, not a picnic. Um, and I would have an experience that felt very much like heaven. And and it was it was restorative for me. And as my experiences accumulated over time, I'm beginning to think, oh my gosh, um, now there's some rational reason for why I wasn't able to stay in heaven. That, that I, I now know, after 40 years of living and, and working, that my job is to bring the kingdom here. That my job is to help people experience the kingdom here. And, and that's sort of what I've been living 
um, ever since. So those experiences. Did you ever? Oh, go ahead, Sandra. Did you, did you ever doubt that it happened? I know you know I've spoken to some folks and and even my experience and John's experience. Um, you know, there are those moments we go back to our, you know, our fallen world and, you know, we, we think, well, I'm not worthy. Surely that didn't happen. That was, you know, brain chemistry or whatever. Did you ever go through those, those doubts? Um, you know, for me, I never had any kind of doubt about what happened. And part of that is just the huge contrast. Um, you know, at 19 years old, I was chiseled. And I was a, a, a pretty amazing physical specimen. I mean, I qualified for SEALs in boot camp. And, and uh, when, when I walked off of the airplane at Stapleton uh, on convalescent leave, I looked like a, uh, a prisoner of war. And I went from 195 pounds to 126. And I was just, it was shocking to the medical people that I, that I survived. I mean, you, you could read from my personnel files, they didn't think I was ever going to wake up. So the contrast between those two was clear to me that it's only by God's grace that I'm alive. It's just, just absolutely clear. And then I spent 10 years as a disabled person, and then God decided at age 30, well, that was enough, and very much like your stories, the Father touched me and restored my health. Well, um, what do you do with that other than say, well, okay, there's sovereignty and reason for all of this, and now what should I do with, with the gift I've just been given? Because anybody that's been disabled for a long period of time, that all of a sudden gets released from their malady, that there's an, there's an august sense of of all, oh, oh, what a great thing just happened. And Father, what do you want me to do with that? Right, right. So, so I never had any, I, I never have it, had any sense that it was, it was, uh, it, you know, it didn't really happen and it was only in my mind. Um, that, that just is not part of my story. And your time with the Lord since, have, um, has he ever spoken to you about it? Um, yeah, every time I'm in a place now where I experience one of those bubbles of the kingdom of heaven, um, it, it renews my soul, it renews my spirit, it, it brings tangible evidence to, to the, the fact that everything that's written in the Bible is true. And, you know, we've been suffering as a culture now for a hundred generations of experiential drift. You know, the, it's been a hundred generations since the, the disciples walked with Christ, spent time with Christ, heard Christ, and we've been suffering from a hundred generations now of experiential drift. And When you part say experiential life, drift, Steve, what do you mean by that? Well, Originally, in the first generation of Christianity, that they talked about what it was like to be with Christ. They talked about what he was like as a person. And, and we've been drifting ever since. You know, it's, it's that we've had, you know, the, the whole thing of values drift. Well, there's experiential drift. 
we've gotten to the place where the, an experience with the risen Christ is just rare. And but part of the mission in my life for however many years I have left here is to be able to say that the, that, that the kingdom of heaven is something that we can experience. It's something that can be taught and trained and lived in now. And, and so my job is to stop the drift and move us back toward a personal, intimate relationship, relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Because we can, and we should. Um, and I have a lifetime, I literally have a lifetime of stories of spending time with people at a very intimate level and I do know that you can learn this. It's a, you know, I've taught literally hundreds of people how to experience the kingdom of heaven here. And now that I've written the book and now that they're going to make that a movie, I, I think it's going to be widespread because I think the father really wants us to know just how much he cares and just how close and relevant he wants to be in our lives relationally. Steve, you know, I know we have listeners that, you know, their faith is across the, the spectrum from very strong, you know, people of very strong faith to people that are just kind of tuning in, maybe just curious, checking, you know, checking, you know, the perspective, you know, where we're coming from on this. So, you know, as people, I'd love for you to maybe share some of those stories about how you recognize some of those bubbles, those kingdom moments for yourself, and maybe some of those other ones that people have maybe shared with you. So people out there who are hearing this can say, well, you know what, maybe that was where, where God, you know, was present in my life. I didn't even look back and realize it. Um, you know, that um, the story comes to mind that uh, I was at the grocery store early in the morning and I was picking up a couple of items uh, uh, for my wife who was, uh, preparing one of her culinary masterpieces and so I had a laundry list of stuff to get at the store and I ran into a little boy and I just I just loved him instantly you know he's he's dressed in a camo shirt that hadn't seen the inside of a washing machine all month and dirty Levi's and it looked like he just got dragged right out of bed and into shopping with mom you know on a Saturday and he and I just ended up having a ball in the grocery store playing like kids play until his mom showed up and and then she looked at me like I was a you know a predator or something and she dragged her kid away. Well, I finished my shopping, but I get to the shopping uh, checkout area and sure enough, here's the little boy and the really angry mom in front of me and. A bubble of the kingdom of heaven showed up because I realized that she is shopping for her family and I looked into her shopping cart and I said oh uh, 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 there's something there that looked a lot like hunger and I stepped into her space and this is part of training you know when you feel that you feel the emotion and the unction of a bubble of the kingdom of heaven, you move toward it, not away from it. So I stepped into her space and I said, excuse me, but did, were there things on your list 
that you didn't get today? And she looked at me and she said, yeah, we're a little short this week. And I said, not on my watch. I said, you go get, and she had already started the beep, 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 you know, she, the, the thing. I said, you go get another shopping cart and you get whatever you need, whatever's on your list. I said, your groceries are on me today. And she hesitated just slightly and then handed her little cherub to me and ran off to get another grocery cart. And the bubble of the kingdom of heaven expanded to fill the entire front of the grocery store. The, the lady who was at the cash register was crying. The guy behind me who had, who had a big basket, I turned to him and said, you may want to get into a different line uh, because this may take a while. Um, she reached over and turned her light off. Um, and we just stood there for 20 minutes while, his, while mom was shopping and um, we enjoyed being in heaven together. Steve, I love that story. Um, you know, just kind of stepping Everybody, into that bubble as, as you were talking. I remember uh, my family, we were driving through Omaha, Nebraska. And uh -huh. We were at this little teeny diner. And yeah. we always pray before our meal. And uh, God prompted me. The waitress came up and I said, hey, we're about to bless our meals or anything we can pray for you for. And she says, yeah. you know, I'm just really struggling with my son. He's gotten into drugs and I can't use my... My car's broken down, it's in the shop, it's stuck there. And uh, I said, well, how much do you need to get your car out of the shop? She said a couple hundred dollars. And, you know, she's working full time as a waitress and had another job. And so we prayed for her right there at the, at the table and she teared up. And then I was looking at my boys and said, guys, what, what do we do? And I said, hey, let's, every one of us dug out of our, our wallets the cash that we mm -hmm. had. We had exactly $200 between the five of us, and we left that as a tip. And so we're walking out, and she comes running out of the diner as fast as she can with the money in her hand, waving it, going, stop, stop. You guys made a mistake. This can't be for me. And we're like, no, this, this is for you. God said this is, we needed to give this to you. And she just broke down weeping right there in the parking lot. And it was such an amazing, uh, my kids still, still talk about that. And now we've made it a habit when we're in a restaurant asking the server if we can pray with them. And we've had some just amazing experiences with people. Some people are like, no, I'm good. Some people, you know, just kind of give you something. But you know what? I got to tell you, um, just kind of when you sense that little nudge, that little bubble, as you call it, and you step into it and you just let God work through you in the lives of others. Oh my gosh, what a privileged place that is. An honored place to, I just, I love when that happens. And, and uh, it, it, th that particular story is one of literally hundreds. And part of, uh, part of the first manuscript in the book was I listed 104 of the most um, you know, acceptable, uh, uh, you know, stories. And I discovered as a part of that process that the kingdom of heaven can be experienced in the here and now in six facets. There are six elements, six facets. 
so far, every all of my experiences can be in one of six. And so that's what I teach. I teach about here are the look-fors, here are the recognition pieces to heaven here. And it puts it gives people some methodology to be able to say, gosh, I, I want to be part of what God is doing here. And once you've experienced being inside a bubble of the kingdom of heaven here, it changes life forever. Because you've had one experience going, oh, Lord, I want to have that happen again. I want to do this again. And not for me, but for the people who are in my space that need you. Yeah, it's almost like by being in his presence, you now have this acute awareness of those moments when he's tapping you on your shoulder, where I think, you know, in the fallen, busy, crazy world, I think we have those promptings regularly as a human yep. race. But most people don't have the awareness that you have. So it's almost like he just acutely tuned your radar. And so I think we probably all have these bubbles but we don't have the awareness that you do to recognize them. So how incredible is that that you can train people to recognize it? And, and part of it is it's our cultural norm right now to not extend the love of God. I mean, it's a whole thing, especially in America, you know, the idea of confidentiality and rugged individualism. And, you know, there's a cultural thing that says, oh, wait a minute. If you do that, you're going to look really dumb, and and so we don't. And or, so or my also, teaching, you, you know, in this culture too, we're afraid of offending people. Yeah, I think a lot of people stepping up to a woman in the in the line and saying, "Hey, did you buy everything you meant to buy today?" Yeah, there's probably a lot of people that wouldn't want to say that because they don't want to offend that person. But what in saying that, you took a little bit of a risk, but you did it in humility. Because yes. you knew where the source was from, right? I, I think we need you know, to be courageous in these situations. We need to have that humility that comes from that relationship. And w when we're operating from that place, I really don't think we're going to offend anybody. I really don't. No, and the, the whole idea of offending people, if, you're, if your impetus is that you want to extend the love and care of a loving father to people, that overcomes all of the resistance and the cultural norms that we've built up that are actually, they're cultural norms, but they're norms of the enemy. They're norms of our adversary in the here and now. And that it's part of what the Apostle Paul talked about of living in the world, but not of the world. And so um, my life's work is to teach and train people on how to be countercultural, on what it's like to experience heaven in the here and now. And it, if this takes hold, then I think we could change our culture. And that would be really welcome in my mind. Yeah, because we're messed. Agreed. No kidding. So how do people connect with you? How do they find your book, Steve? Um, the, uh, we have a commercial website up now. It's uh, stevenmusic.com. Uh, we have a landing page up. The entire commercial website goes live at the end of this month. Um, the uh, and music is M U S I C K for everybody listening. Yeah, so it's Stephen would be Stephen Music. That's all one word. Dot com. 
Um, I, you know, I wrote the book out of obedience. It took me a long time to write the book, but uh, the book has just gone crazy. And, it, you know, I, I've spoken to 13 million people on the radio, and I'm now, I'm now going to be presenting to like 26 million people on television. Um, and now I'm going to do a feature film. I think this is a message that the father wants broadcast. And so we're creating some web presence that goes along with the teaching that I do. Um, and, and I go wherever the father sends. Um, and uh, all of the money that we generate in this work uh, goes to kingdom uh, work, goes to kingdom groups. Uh, because I'm all about experiencing and expanding the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. Um, and I, and uh, it's, an, it's as exciting as it gets this side of heaven. And I think everybody can experience it and should. Yeah, Steve, thank you so much for your time. I could literally uh, sit here and ask you questions for hours. I'm, I'm sure our audience uh, <laughs> feels the same way. And just, you know, as we wrap up, everybody listening, just any final thoughts you want to leave with everybody? Yeah, um, almost all of the media work that I'm now doing, I close in, a, in an exhortive kind of uh, prayer. And so I'd like to do that now. Yes, please. That, that Father... Your orchestration of the lives of the people that are listening to this now is not an accident. That there's nothing that goes on that you don't touch with your sovereignty. And Father, that some of what was said today ignited deep inside people a warmth and an encouragement that says, ooh, this is really, really right. Well, Father, that's you. And, and that people would respond in kind. And that is, Father, you touch their heart and you touch their minds and that you would guide them into a new experience with you in the here and now that builds upon the word and builds upon what you're doing in this place, in these people at this time. And Father, that it would it would leave a residual that is unmistakable, that people will recognize something happened during this last 45 minutes that I need to follow. I need to respond to that in a way that a loving Father would want relationally. And that you're a member of God's family now. You're included. You're an inheritor of the grace that the kingdom of heaven is all about. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Because Jesus is the Son of God, and they sent the Son that we could have the kind of relationship that is about to be enthroned in your life. Wow, thank you, Steve. Thank you for your time and for sharing, and uh, that was just powerful. And uh, if any, I, I'd love to hear anybody's thoughts as you've been listening to this. Uh, you can email uh, Steve through his website, stephenmusic.com. You can email me, John, 
at eternalleadership.com and all the links to Steve's book and his website will be in the show notes at eternalleadership.com and uh, what just a great message just knowing even in the most challenging of times that, that God is there he's with us that that there is a path that we're following and you know something I became aware of you know, recovering from my accident over many years mm. was that God doesn't always promise us an explanation, but he yeah. always promises us without fail that he will walk with us through it. Yeah. 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 I agree. And that, that resonates deep within me. Yeah. How incredible because, you know, there are so many people out there that are probably right now listening and going, you know what? I felt that prompting yesterday at the gas station with that homeless person, or I felt the prompting with that, you know, little kid at the playground, or I feel the prompting right now with the person sitting in, you know, the office next to me. You know, I just want to encourage everyone to to use this moment to to try and tune into that awareness and, and to act on it because you're absolutely right. You know, the enemy uses the fear of embarrassment and the fear of what other people are going to think and the fear of rejection and, you know, fear is not of the Lord. And so we need to, when we have those moments, those promptings, just, you know, I'm personally going to be more aware and and try to act on them urgently. Amen to that. Amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you and look forward to having our next conversation. That'll be fun. We'll be in touch.